0: Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? So today we're here, episode thirty-two of the About Well Being podcast, and I'm here with Nikki Kasser.
1: Say, yo, say
0: hello. What's up? Do so, one of these,
1: but <laughs> yeah, I got a jumper on, so you can't you can't see what's going on. In the <laughs> you end. can't
0: see if there's big guns you got under there. Um, so Nikki is a women's holistic coach, WBFF bikini pro, we and with a mind body practitioner diploma, and he did the neuroscience. Just studying it. Just studying it, yep, yep. Um, As a coach, she has been transforming her voice for others as a leader in the mental health space. Through her personal experiences healing from adversity and trauma, she has become fascinated into the psychological impacts we experience as children and how they are impacting our lives now. Nikki's coaching methods incorporate foundations in neuroscience NLP and positive psychology to bring science-based and heart-centered coaching to women looking to restore their relationship with their mind and body. She is a strong believer in that order to achieve change and actually sustain it, you must first become aware of your limiting beliefs, subconscious patterns, and unsupportive behavior from a holistic view to create a coherence between your mind and body connections. Nikki creates a nurturing space facilitating self-mastery so women can break down their own barriers and manifest the goals they truly seek in their lives.
1: Oh, God, that was a mouthful. Yeah, it's a good intro. There. It's a
0: good <laughs> And Nikki's also been a friend of mine for a long time, and I've um, one yeah. of the last times I saw you, besides the other week when we had a catch-up, was um, the WB- WBFF competition.
1: Yeah, which was ages last ago. Last time.
0: And so much has been happening since then.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of change for yeah. both of us, actually. Yeah, yeah.
0: So what's been happening with you?
1: Big things. Um, well... I'm back in Adelaide at the moment, which gives us this great opportunity Mm -hmm. to get together and and to record this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've actually come back to do some deep work with my um, online business Mm -hmm. and some deep work on myself. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's just been a very a huge, huge year for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of things have shifted in terms of work, uh, bodybuilding career. Mm -hmm. um and just my personal personal journey I guess Mm -hmm. um so a lot's been happening at the moment
0: yeah that's cool that's cool so um well let's just start off um with your journey to how did you get into like bodybuilding gym Mm -hmm. into the choices that you're making and Mm -hmm. the path that you're on now how did you kind of start to get to get into
2: that
1: well it's a bit of um it's a bit of a funny story because I I actually don't often talk about how I got into bodybuilding in the gym. Yeah. So I kind of want to I want to share the story because um it's quite funny the first time I stepped into a gym. Yeah. And I I literally stumbled my way into the gym. And I was just like eyes on the floor. I was like, don't even look at the weight section. It's Too intimidating. And I was, Why? Why do you
0: think it's intimidating?
1: I just saw like massive big muscles and girls, <laughs> girls doing chin ups, and I was like, at the time, oh, I was like, that's impossible. Like, yeah. how is how yeah. is that a thing?
2: Yeah.
1: And I I just went straight for a treadmill. Yeah. And I'm and I'm walking on this treadmill, and I'm thinking to myself did I really just join a fucking gym because my ex-boyfriend at the time yeah. who thought I couldn't get abs yeah. challenged me and said, you're never going to get abs. Yeah. I was like, did I really just do that? Yeah. And something kind of like ignited with within mm-hmm. me like this fire.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I said to myself, um, all right, Nikki, like no, one's going to do this for you. You can't trust anyone else to get this done,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, knuckle down, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that kind of took me on my journey and I did a lot of CrossFit at the time. Um, that's when I started doing weights training as well. You
0: still dancing at the time as well?
1: Yeah. I was still doing a bit of dancing as well. Yeah. But my habits, Corey, my gosh. So Monday to Thursday, I would, like, train train relentlessly in the gym, Mm -hmm. but I would live on McDonald's. I would probably have an energy drink a day, (laughs) full sugar ones, Um, you know, poor sleep, really bad nutrition. And then the weekend, I'd back it up with drinking. Mm -hmm. I'd probably eat my weight's worth in munchies. It was just really bad. Mm -hmm. So I think at that time, like, my perception of, like, what health meant was really distorted, and mm-hmm. I think the pursuit of abs was, like, cooler than health. Mm-hmm. And I think I just had no awareness around my mindset towards my habits, my mm-hmm. mindset towards my commitments with myself, mm-hmm. um, what I valued when it came to that. Um, and I saw that there was a huge shift between the part of me that valued, mm-hmm. you know, discipline, focus, hard work during the week, and then on the weekend, it was kind of like, where is that part of me that mm-hmm. that really thrived on that discipline?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I think from the initial get-go, being in the gym, that was a really huge anchor for me because even though the weekend was fun, I felt so much um pride in myself, going to the gym, working hard and getting a result. Mm-hmm. And so very early on in my journey, the gym was a huge anchor for me. It was something I could trust, mm-hmm. that I could control, yeah. and something that I had, you know, complete control with the outcome over.
0: I was never going to betray you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> never going to betray you. or very much. The gym, the gym never
0: betray you. <laughs>
1: Which, you know, as as you get caught up in the party scene, you know, there were a couple nights, Corey, that left me in pretty vulnerable situations where mm-hmm. I did have my control taken from me,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: you know, and one particular night where, you know, some men did something really horrible. And so I lost my power from me when I was 14 at a very mm-hmm. young age. Mm-hmm. And so stepping into the gym for me was, you know, a chance that I could have mm-hmm. control over a process mm-hmm. or an outcome.
0: And how, what age did you start stepping into the gym? Properly?
1: That wasn't until high school around, um, I think it was year 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot, a lot later on.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so. Yeah. Cause I actually quite look up to you because I remember when you first started competing, I think your first comp that I saw was like, I think it was the season after like one of my first comps. And then you just like took it and ran with it. And then like, it was like every year after that, you just like competing, killing it, competing, killing it, competing, killing it. And I was just like, I could go Nikki. <laughs> so wow. So you kind of like did shed a light, um, on me, um, personally, so then I for my, for myself, so I was like, oh, sweet. Well, if Nikki's out there doing it, then I fucking better do it too. Like
1: Jesus Christ! So then, oh, yeah. thank you, appreciate, yeah. it. thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. Well, there was a big shift in terms of my um, commitments to, like, my mindset and the discipline that I was um, pursuing in in that world, and it yeah. and it shifted when you know, I got pulled really deep into the party world. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, at that time, before I started competing, the gym wasn't enough to anchor me down mm-hmm. and take me away from the partying scene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did end in a really uh, traumatic experience mm-hmm. when I went away on a holidays with some really, you know, close childhood friends, friends that, mm-hmm. you know, I'd been um, hanging out with for a very long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, what should have been a fun and, you know, Party fuel uh, time quickly turned into, you know, another another time where my vulnerability was taken from me, mm-hmm. same like I was when I was little. But mm-hmm. this time my drink was spiked.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and three days later I woke up in a hospital bed.
2: Three
0: days later. Jesus Christ, Nikki.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm laying there in the hospital bed and I'm staring at the ceiling going, what the how fuck it, yeah. has happened in the past 72 plus hours trying to make sense of everything, you know, and I kind of looked at the Have you got Any memories back from that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember it all. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I looked at the world around me and I started to kind of see things for how they were. Yeah. And I went, hang on, if those were the type of people that I was hanging out with, mm-hmm. what does that say about me and what does that say about the person I am?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that was the first time I started to look at my internal world around my mindset and how my external world was a direct reflection of how I was experiencing my internal world. Yeah.
0: and that would just come from, like, external validation and stuff where you, like, yeah. you've not fulfilled yourself, so you're looking at it from other people in terms to, like, uh, fill your cup up um, and get all those different feelings. I can I can imagine that that would be, well, I guess I've, I've been there before myself as well, but, um, yeah, in terms of, like, It's so weird when when you're in that kind of place and you don't realize how unmotivated you are Mm. at the time just in general because your one goal is just to have fun or fuck around, essentially. Or or
1: have abs because your ex-boyfriend said you couldn't, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, true.
1: So, you know, I kind of started to see all those things and, you know, I realized, like, I didn't want to be the bad guy anymore. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to um, be doing the things with my life that I was doing Mm Um, on the weekends, and, yep. you know, I, f- I sat in that shame for a long time, um, you know, but from that experience, a lot of gratitude because of the awareness that it created for me, and mm-hmm. when I speak to people about it, you know, some people call it a shift in awareness, some people call it a, a separation from the culture scape, some people call it, a, you know, a, a spiritual awakening, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of all of those things for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really integral too. Uh, shifting my perspective on okay, if I want to change my state of how I'm experiencing my internal and external world, the people I'm hanging out with needs to change. My interests, my hobbies, my thoughts, my beliefs, my feelings—all of that needs to change. Okay. <clears throat> and that's when the anchor kind of uh, shifted and brought me into the bodybuilding scene. And I thought, yeah. all right, let's you know. So when you were there down.
0: in that place before you started knuckling down, like what was the goal?
1: I think that the goal for me. The biggest thing at that time, because I had such a traumatic experience, was getting out of bed, Corey. Yeah, okay,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: And the one thing, again, something I could control, excuse me, something I could trust Mm -hmm. was being in the gym. Yeah. So I think that was the one thing that I focused on was just Mm -hmm. getting myself back into something I could trust, something I could do for myself again.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of like you were really essentially for yourself at that time. Was that probably the worst rock bottom that you hit for a while there? So that was rock yeah. bottom and you just started building yourself on. What I find really interesting when a lot of people do kind of hit that rock bottom or experience that in their life because I believe everyone does. Everyone hits some sort of their own rock bottom. When people start like not taking stuff for granted, they do the do the work like you're focusing on your internal and your external, I guess, um, struggles and starting to overcome them. You start to build momentum and the people just kind of like take off which is what, like, I've seen you do, and I really respect that in you. So um, I really respect that in you. So from there, you had the goal for the bodybuilding and starting to go down that path. Mm -hmm. How'd that go?
1: So, funny story. (laughs) Um, (coughs) Funny when I look at it now, but it was kind of, you know, I I was really broken by this for a while. So I go to my dad. Right, so I've got this ambition to compete, and and I'm trying to now make it more about me and less about external validation. (laughs) Took me a while to get there. So I go to my father and I say, "Okay, Dad, you know I'm going to compete. I'm going to do this bodybuilding show. Okay, good deal. Good, 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 good stuff. Okay, (laughs) so I'm like, I'm going to win the whole thing. That's what I say to myself, and I do compete in INBA. I won first place for all the categories. Took home the overall. Yeah went straight to dad's house from the competition, yeah. still in my bikini and tan and everything. <laughs> and I'm showing him the medals and trophies. I'm like, like, what do you think? And he was like, oh, that's good. And I was like waiting for him to be like, I'm proud. And yeah. I went home crying. I was so yeah. heartbroken. Okay. I was yeah. like, okay, not good enough. All right, what can I do now? I was like, ICN. All right. So, you know, do do ICN. I think I came, I got like a first place for a category, yeah. uh, a second and a third and yeah. and came back and said you know dad are you proud are you proud (laughs) Uh, not quite the answer i was looking for so i said okay maybe i'll start my own business right because dad's all about dad's got his own company so he's like work hard he's a he's a background is german so it's you know work hard make money sort of thing (laughs) good mentality so i thought okay start my business i come back and it's like dad look what i'm doing and oh you're not going to make money in the health and fitness industry and you know just looking for him to kind of tell me that he was (laughs) proud of me yeah you know, in the, in the absence of my father's belief, um, you know, Hattie Boyd took me under her wing and I started working with her and she really started to instill uh, what it meant to have self-belief, you know, with every inch of her mm-hmm. body, with every mm-hmm. bone in her body.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and fourth time lucky, Corey, <laughs> step on the, the WBFF stage.
2: Yeah.
1: And something shifted there. You uh-huh. know, I'm standing on that stage and I could, and I could hear myself – you know, looking for something that was going to make me feel happy and I could go home and tell Dad, I went, hang on, Nikki, you know, if you don't have that self-belief in yourself,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when are you going to have that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if not you, then who, mm-hmm. right? And something kind of shifted there when I was like, who am I doing this for? You know, mm-hmm. I'm doing this for myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm standing there like basking in gratitude and happiness and i'm just happy to be up there on the stage and then they call my name up for second place and pro card and i was like what's happening sort of thing (laughs) you know and for me that was i think the most um powerful moment was Mm. the shift in my internal belief yeah um and yeah the pro card was cool and second place was cool too but that was a really cool experience finally being able to walk away after all those years of competing all those shows i did and you know starting to to be happy with you know who i was being on stage for mm. so that was cool
0: i love that it's such a similar experience when i was listening to my stuff obviously you know a bunch of my story with that basically a lot of the same thing happened you Said i was really lucky i kind of as self self-belief goes just from when i was a lot younger i did like a whole bunch of dancing singing and acting mm-hmm. and i was always on stage and then like i stopped that for when I'd like hit about, I don't know, 16, 17, started like quit school, well, I didn't quit school, finished school, and then dad straight away was like, y'all gotta go to get a fucking job, and you're gonna work with me. <laughs> and I was working with him, and I hated it. Like, it was all right for probably six months, and then we just started. Yeah. And then I was just like, I was so used to, I was getting paid, you know, um, for like gigs, $50 an hour for the dancing stuff, and then I'd go working at an apprentice wage, it was like $8 an hour or something, and you are working like 40 hour weeks, and I was like, what the actual fuck? Is this. Mm. So, um, like, that was crazy. But uh, after that, I think as soon as 21, when I very first competed, because I did that whole thing myself, I just, from then, I was just like, well, if no one else is it if, if, if I can't do it, who can? Yeah. And if like the world is just so much out there the universe is just kind of out there for everything that we want and i just believe we got to do is either just ask for it or just fucking grab it and i was like after that first comp that i ever did i was like well if i'm gonna succeed, succeed in anything then i just fucking literally have to do it mm. and get it mm-hmm. and like since then after a certain period of time things just kept falling into place falling into place and one of the biggest ones was um yeah it wasn't so much the this i wouldn't say self belief with the um wbff comp for me personally it was like i think I was more just like i fucking told you you could do it to myself if you yeah. know what i mean um i was like i knew you had it i knew you could fucking do it like yes this was you you fucking deserved it so i thought that was pretty cool
1: yeah and when you start to have that shift between who you're trying to prove it to as well mm. that can be really um really transformational because mm. now it's not about the people around you and the external world, mm-hmm. it's saying you're proving it to yourself. You know, yeah. show yourself how hard yeah. you can work. Yeah, um, Be the hardest worker in the room for you and yeah. no one else. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I like to sort of, I do it for myself, but I also do it for other people in terms of I like to be a role model. Yeah, Because I like to show people that, like, hey, look, if, if I can fucking do it out of everyone, like, you can too. Like, Jesus Christ, everyone mm. has known me for a long time. Mm. I was like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> but people gravitate but, to that without you actually seeing that, right? Yeah. People just look up to you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because you set an example rather than yeah. telling them what to do. Yeah, and so
0: setting the example and following through with it, I yeah. think was one of the one of the biggest things. I was literally having this conversation with someone last night, and he was doing like MMA fighting. He was like, "Do the hardest thing for me, and like for what all us like competitors recognize, is setting the goal and seeing it through to the very mm. end." like no matter cost and mm-hmm. no matter here because yes. there's one thing to, to actually do it. all the physical stuff yes that's super hard but it's oh god will I lose will I make a fool of myself I'm making myself vulnerable here like what this you to overcome all those little things in your mind end up going through and actually getting to that stage so I think that's extremely important to go through in terms of anything if, if your life it, and what we were talking about beforehand me and Nikki were talking about before the cameras were on was that we are just talking about a bunch of new year stuff because if you are listening it's the end of 2020 at the moment And we were just talking about what we're doing for the New Year's and Mm -hmm. how we're, like, setting a bunch of goals and what we're actually doing, going to do in order to stick to them. We do a whole bunch of, like, reflective exercises. So instead of just, like, saying a goal or doing whatever, um, then we're actually sticking to it and making it happen instead of just saying, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, if anyone's listening, a real big takeaway... just in order to develop yourself in general or to learn yourself better is whatever goal you have literally stick to it plan it out write something down and achieve it and watch it happen because a lot of the time if you just put yourself out there it comes to you like and I swear to god like a lot of the time like I see so many other people in the gym do whatever and I'm like that person if they competed in a competition against me would kick my ass (laughs) like oh my god like all the time I'm like oh god I get absolutely rolled by that person but hey I'm the one that's putting the effort going out there and get myself vulnerable so I could actually do it. Yes. And sometimes you talk to those people and they're like, Oh no I couldn't compete. And you're like, Yes you fucking could, look at you.
1: Jesus Christ. Mm.
0: But yeah, so I think that's one good thing to overcome on.
1: Yeah, and that's I mean this is really I think it works perfectly with what I said to you last week, is that the universe doesn't give you what you want. Mm -hmm. It gives you what you deserve. Yeah. So if you're just merely declaring your goals and saying, oh, I want to do this thing, Mm -hmm. you're not going to deserve to get it unless Mm -hmm. you're actually putting in the action to make it come into fruition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't just come with writing down and going, oh, like maybe one day I'll do this thing. Mm -hmm. Right. It takes a process of sitting with Mm -hmm. that goal setting Mm -hmm. and actually creating change are completely different things and they're not the same. People Mm -hmm. think they can just declare a goal Mm -hmm. and then the process of change just comes Mm -hmm. to them. You just Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Fucking Nike slogan. Just do it. You (laughs) can't just do things. You have to look at the process of how am I going to just do the thing that I really want to do? Mm -hmm. And that's why, um, you know, research, research shows like 90, 2% 2% of people don't actually achieve their New Year's resolutions and people are still creating the same goals that they said they wanted to do four years ago. Mm. So, yeah, that's something that will definitely... <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it depends as well, I guess, how serious you are with your New Year's resolutions yeah. as well and how much they mean to you and getting really clear on why they're actually important to you and how they're going to impact you. If you're willing to even make change, because it's one thing as well, it's very comfortable... When you don't have to
1: change, yeah. But I, I think it's safe to say that everyone listening on this podcast are high achievers in some yeah. areas of their life. I don't think people listening on this podcast have to be high achievers in a bodybuilding scene, oh, yeah. but whether that's business or um, any other area in their life, career-wise, right? Oh, yeah. They're going to be high achievers at some point. They're oh, yeah. literally listening to this podcast yeah. for that reason. Yeah. So even if the process of change looks like I just want to be more happy.
2: Yeah. yeah
1: i think that's fair to say that people like deserve yeah. that they really want it they're discovering why that might be for them mm-hmm. but just by saying i want to be happy it's like well why why do you want that how are you going to get it yeah so yeah i think that it's definitely important to pave that way like mm-hmm. you're saying for yourself set an example so people are starting to understand that there's more than just declaring goals that, that's at play here
0: yeah so true you just said that so perfectly um, so we got to the stage where you did the, the WBFF yes you did the competition yep. how are you now different from there what, what was the what was like the big change as to now because it's been like a whole year it's been a big year so what does that look like let me let
1: me take you back a little bit okay. with, with right. dad though because this, okay. okay. this is the yeah. last little bit so uh, I go back to dad yeah and the conversation goes like this.
0: <laughs> okay. Is he a German accent? <laughs> <laughs> no, so you nah. have to do a German accent. No, nah, he now.
1: was born here. He was yeah. Born here. I'm like, so, Dad, what do you? I'm going to be moving to Sydney, and I just thought I'd let you know. How much money do you want? I'm not here to ask for money. I'm just thought I'd let you know, like I'm moving to Sydney to like pursue my career. And he's like, that's great, dear, you'll move to Sydney, you know, give it a fair old crack, you know, hopefully it'll go as well. I was like, Chad, like, I don't think you understand, like, I'm driving to Sydney, I'm not there to give it a fair old crack. Like, I'm moving to pursue my career in health and fitness, following my passion.
2: Yeah.
1: And he was like, Nikki, I'll give you one word of advice. Trust no one. <laughs>
0: So Gen X (laughs) So Gen X
1: (laughs) And I was like Okay, Jen Mm. And so, you know Off I go Off to Sydney And Trying to prove to him just how much I wasn't about the money and how I was trying to follow, follow my, my, uh, my passion. Mm-hmm. And I ended up becoming him. Mm-hmm. So I work three jobs yeah. over 70 hours a week. What were the three jobs? Um, the PT. Yeah. Then I was also doing sales calls for the sports model project. Yep. And then I was also doing the bodybuilding posing coaching. Okay. Yeah. On the weekends. Yeah. So, um, And I worked at, like, one of the highest-paying gyms in Sydney. Yeah. And I was literally trying to show him just how much about the money I wasn't. The irony, I look back at it now and laugh. But, you know, I started to see how those patterns Mm -hmm. of looking for external gratification started to come up. Mm -hmm. And this continued um, up to my last bodybuilding competition.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And I realized that with all of this going on, that something had to give. Mm -hmm. Um, And it did. Mm -hmm. And it was me. Mm. Uh, it was my body, it was my hormones, it was my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there was something that was really important that I was missing from the beginning, Corey, mm-hmm. which was the commitments to myself, mm-hmm. right? I started mm-hmm. to the going to the gym because of the abs. I started mm-hmm. going because my ex-boyfriend said, you know, you're never mm-hmm. going to get them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that moment I found that I had to anchor something, anchor to something different. Yeah, You know, I had the lowest self-esteem that i had ever in my whole entire life i couldn't look in a mirror that was your last this is my last 2019 correct in october after october 2019 yeah um i couldn't look in a mirror because all i saw was my imperfections yeah um i couldn't go to the gym wearing shorts and a sports bra even
0: though you look amazing and you're working like 70 plus hours a week.
1: Well, at that time I wasn't. At that time I was just doing a PT. Okay. Um, You've had to for the the, the training. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, I was in in, in comparison mode and, um, you know, I I couldn't even order Um. full cream milk in my coffee without being, like, anxious with who would have heard my coffee order. I couldn't even oh, eat a oh. fucking burger, yeah. you know, in public. It was really bad. Yeah. I had really bad body dysmorphia, mm-hmm. really bad body image issues. I was depressed for mm-hmm. the whole year since mm-hmm. my last competition. Um, and I just thought, fuck, I can't compete again. Yeah. I need to work. On the internal relationship with myself, mm-hmm. and I can't rely on a competition mm-hmm. for then to me to say oh, I have to start training it properly yeah. and eating well. I have oh, to. Yeah, that's so.
0: Right? That's like so the opposite of like how I how I look at shows that makes a lot of makes a lot of sense to me because I can see exactly where you're coming up from mm. there. Because the reason I compete is to show off my health and everything it's like oh this is a great opportunity for me to display how healthy i've been how disciplined i've been my routine my habits my my self-confidence how well i can deal with stress how much you know i can like push through and get stuff but i can see sort of the dark side of it which is what you would have been chasing at that time and for the reason for doing it i guess for the wrong reasons and then it catching up to you and then biting you in the bum
1: yeah And I think I had a lot of um, like perfectionism tendencies Um, and, you know, perfectionism isn't just high standards, right? It's Mm -hmm. not just high achievers. Perfectionism comes with a lot of um, like self judgment, anger, resentment, Mm -hmm. um, hypercriticalness, inner critic, that sort of thing. So when you don't have the body, that's Mm -hmm. the perfect ideal body. It's all or nothing tendencies. You either do it all and it has to be perfect or you can't do any of it because it's not perfect, right? Right. Why Mm -hmm. would I even try if it's not going to be perfect? Mm -hmm. And I think that was the way I looked at my body because I wasn't this, you know, epiphany of um, 6% body fat, whatever the fuck I was when I got (laughs) on stage. I just turned that hypercriticalness inwards and was like, you're not good enough. And you know, when you spend twenty weeks in a cut, you literally look in the mirror for twenty weeks and you say, Need to be leaner, not skinny enough, not good enough, not need lean enough. Needs to be, conditioning.
0: Yeah, need to be bigger, that.
1: need to be yeah. smaller here, you know. And at the time it feels like a healthy way to give yourself um self motivation and you're pushing yourself to be better. Mm. But unfortunately when you create those neurological pathways in the brain through a thought process, that becomes fired and wired, right? Neurons yeah. are fired together, wired together. Mm-hmm. So, you finish your competition, and do those thoughts just go away overnight? No.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Because you've neurologically wired those pathways within the brain. Mm-hmm. So, that's why, I mean, you speak to the majority of bodybuilding competition. Uh, competitors that's why they experience what's called post comp blues yeah you take away that external stimulus but Mm -hmm. the internal stimulus is still going because the central nervous system needs time when it's in hyper arousal Mm -hmm. to then come back down into homeostasis and Mm -hmm. regulate the body Mm -hmm. and it doesn't do that overnight like a competition does when it Mm -hmm. just ends and that's why people experience post comp blues because their Mm -hmm. central nervous system doesn't know what's going on and it's like whoa it's in hyper arousal because it's doing so much stuff take all that stuff away and it goes boom crash Mm. hypo arousal Mm. and that's why people often blow out post comps and then it's the work of the reverse diet or the reverse training plan to bring people back into homeostasis Mm. if you have a great coach that's achievable Mm. most of the time when people don't have a coach and they don't follow through with that that's when they can get caught in a really harsh internal battle with themselves, a lot of self-sabotage, oh, a lot of self-esteem issues.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. So yeah. I guess like the, just the internal vocabulary whilst you're doing the stuff is extremely important. And then I like to also for like for myself personally, I eat exactly the same I do now is what I do mm. when I'm on a damn corporate, mm-hmm. like exactly the same. I just picked all these foods that I love and I like semi-change them around do all the stuff. Yeah. I just eat more of them mm. and more of the good stuff that i like so when i actually get into a compartment it's not a huge it's not a huge shift like everything's a lot a lot a lot it's just a little bit more yeah because
1: you're doing it already yeah
0: Yeah, because i'm doing it already and i have like a good time i figured out what i like i figured Mm -hmm. out what works with me got the dna test and the blood test got all the things all sorted out so they're all like sort of perfect there and then yeah it makes it so much easier doing it as well as Doing all the, I guess, just the meditation, the reflective exercises, changing your internal vocabulary to support yourself, encourage yourself, and just be like, make sure that you're doing it for all the right reasons and the rest of it. And then, hey, it's like, it's the best time ever. Yeah. But yeah, so it's so interesting seeing that because one one of my my good friends, um, Lee Ryan, he just gave me the uh, reflection. He said once, he was like, man, you're the only person I know that doesn't go to the gym because they don't hate their body.
1: Yeah. And I was like whoa holy shit yeah and that's I mean that
0: I see it all the time now like so much and I used to when I was like a bit younger I was like some lady told me I was like really skinny and I should be doing dip because I used to do like flips and acrobatics and shit and she was like oh you should be focusing on these because you're really tall and skinny and I was like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> Yeah. So I started going to the gym, and I just started loving the gym. I was like, this is the best. I'm having such a good time.
1: And Lee Ryan has been in the industry for a long time. A long time. <clears throat> Shout out to Lee. I oh, no. yeah. lot. <laughs> like,
0: Shout out to Lee, yeah. And his wise words and his wisdom.
1: <laughs> he's, you know, top bloke. He's been in the industry for a long time. So, you know, if there's anyone that's recognizing this pattern, mm-hmm. you know, he's been in the industry for a while. He'd he's not better than anyone else. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, and it's not to say that every single person experiences this, you know, and you're a, a good advocate of this, where um you embody these principles, these rituals, these habits, but it comes from a place of this is just to enhance myself and better myself not based on anyone else right And pretty much <laughs> and that's a that's a process that I've been wanting to find for myself is mm-hmm. is finding that balance finding that Did you find it? <laughs> did, did you find it did you find it did, did you, you look did... for it and find it <laughs> i did find it actually nice. i wouldn't say that i have you know completely embodied that and found it yeah um but i've done some huge... well, you found the goal i
0: guess well,
1: i'm starting to create more it? alignment with that yep. i think that because like i said i've got a lot of perfectionism tendencies there and yep. that's something that i've had for a long time
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i was a ballerina for 14 years mm-hmm. um and perfectionism was like oh yeah pivotal uh, it's like vital sorry yeah. for that
2: yeah
1: um, so now it's like you know you brush your teeth with your right arm and then you put it in the left and it's like super weird right yeah. you don't forget how to brush your teeth with your right hand yeah you have to relearn how to you know do that that thing again yeah so that's kind of what I'm doing now with my mindset is mm-hmm. you know the perfectionism is, is still there the scheme is still there um, now I just have to relearn how to you know treat myself with compassion and what kindness does, what does that
0: look like for you yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I experienced body dysmorphia for 13 months. I was Mm -hmm. depressed for 13 months, Mm -hmm. so it's been a long process. Mm -hmm. Um, I recognize that I tried to do a lot of it on my own, Mm -hmm. by myself, Mm -hmm. um, which was really, really hard, Yeah, really hard. Mm -hmm. I thought with all my uh, extensive knowledge in neuroscience, psychology, NLP, um, all of this would give me the answers. Sometimes just knowing the science doesn't actually help you um make those changes, right yeah. Everyone knows that if they want to lose weight they eat less and move more, but yeah. it doesn't mean that they'll do it right mm-hmm. so sometimes just knowing what needs to change doesn't actually make things change
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it was when I started working with someone who specializes in body dysmorphia that I started to have these conversations around perfectionism mm-hmm. and there's things like the all or nothing tendencies that I spoke about before mm-hmm. there's also rule books, a rule mm-hmm. book for life so a rule book would be something like have to eat clean foods, can't have anything deep fried, have to get 20,000 steps a day, can't go out on the weekend. There's like strict rules that we set and -hmm. if we don't set them, then we start to experience that hypercriticalness, Mm -hmm. right? And then their mind goes, oh, I know how to make her feel better, up to stakes and make us do a better job. And then that cycle kind of goes around and around Mm -hmm. and around, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So... It's those little things that I had to start to notice, where are they showing up in my life yep. um, and how I can start to overcome them in my experiences.
0: Yeah. So what did that look like? What was the work look like for you for actually doing that?
1: Well, I <laughs> I recognized that my perfectionism was hugely masked by the way I looked. Yeah. Um, so like the, per- the perfect body. Yeah. I had to really challenge how I identified Okay. with my body so
0: were you just journaling for this stuff were um you, yeah a lot thinking? of journaling
1: a lot of um internal conversations with myself obviously i worked with this lady who was a uh, um specialized in body dysmorphia and body image
0: yeah
1: um i think the biggest shift that i had was around my identity
0: yeah
1: because if you'd asked me if you'd asked me six months ago Corey, i would have said i was a holistic coach and if you asked me 12 months ago, I would have said, I am a WBFF pro. Mm-hmm. And if you asked me who I was two years ago, I would have said, I am a PT. Mm-hmm. Now, when we say I am, and then we say something after, we identify with that thing, right? Mm-hmm. I am a WBFF bikini pro. Yeah. But because I didn't look like it, I wasn't acting like it, I wasn't thinking it, I wasn't behaving that way, I felt a huge internal incon uh, incongruence between yeah. who I thought I was and yeah. who I actually was. It was yeah. like an identity... Um, Like a uh, dissociation, where I wasn't connected to my identity. Mm -hmm. And that's why I felt fucking terrible about myself. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, I don't have the body. I don't Mm -hmm. look good. Like, I don't... Who am I? I'm like a fraud.
0: You sound like you need to take so many mushrooms.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I started to look at that. I was like, well, who am I? I was like, well, I'm not a bikini pro. That's Mm -hmm. just something I do. I was like, I'm not a well-being coach that's also just something I do Mm -hmm. and I was like well who am I and I I had no idea how to answer that question Mm -hmm. I had no I was like huh (laughs) (laughs) and you know a really great friend of mine um you know we sat down and had a really huge conversation around that
2: Mm
1: -hmm. you know very very intelligent man and he started to create my um uh, create an awareness around this and he Mm -hmm. was like can you see how that might be a problem for you Nikki like Mm -hmm. you don't even know who you are outside of all these things. And for me, that was like, uh, you know, mic drop sort of thing. Like, yeah. I was like, whoa, I'd never really thought of that before. I identified as being a certain way for so long mm-hmm. that now that I wasn't that, no wonder I felt so um, stagnant and I felt mm-hmm. so separated from, you know, this epiphany of
2: mm-hmm.
1: pro athlete. Yeah. So I think that identifying with like who do we think we are, you know these are all the things we do mm-hmm. am i my business am i my my success not really it's mm-hmm. just something i do it doesn't mean it's who i am yeah you know i'm a compassionate light i'm a free spirit yep. you know i'm a guiding light for women who are experiencing their own darkness yeah but that's it you know with or without my business i'm still going to be that woman now mm-hmm. it's just taken me a while to get there
0: nice <laughs> and now I just like getting in line with that completely
1: yeah, I think, like, now I ask myself less, like, yeah. who am I? And I ask myself more, like, how? Like, yeah. how am I experiencing my internal and external world around me? Mm. You know, and we always, always ask people, like, oh, how are you? And the initial response is like, yeah, good. But, like, when we really look into how we are experiencing our world, it's very far from that most of the time. Then mm-hmm. we start to get curious around that. We can find the answers and find solutions for what, how we're feeling.
0: Yeah, I love that. So, as well... What do you sort of do? Like, if I if I was asked you the question, how would I optimize myself in terms of what can I use neuroscience for?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What would be some of the first steps? Well, what would be key I think.
1: To know? Good question. Thanks for asking that. I think that um, as I look into the neuroscience work that I've been doing for nearly two years now, yep. something that really has come up for me is mind-body coherence.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that?
1: So. Our mind and body are going to have very different beliefs um, about what we're doing right mm-hmm. you could say to yourself um so my, uh, meditation is a great example of this um i'm going to meditate tomorrow morning for five ten minutes mm-hmm. now we wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and our nervous system is let's say in collapse mode we're tired we've had a shit day we're feeling anxious mm-hmm. and we decide to say to ourselves i'm too tired
2: mm-hmm.
1: or we do get up we sit down and we do it for three days straight. Mm-hmm. And then after three days, we start to fall off. And then maybe we do it once after that. And then a week later, we go, Oh, I don't have time. Or, you know, my mind works better when it's busy. Or, you know, meditation's just not for me. Right. Mm-hmm. That person has just said, I want to make this goal come into fruition, Mm -hmm. but the mind and body has different beliefs about it. Mm -hmm. So if there's an incoherence between the mind and the body about what these two things are experiencing when it comes to, let's say, creating a goal like meditation Mm -hmm. and experiencing that, then there's no way that someone's going to make that come into fruition. Mm -hmm. The mind and the body have to be coherent in making this come together. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to say, oh, I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then Monday to Thursday, you eat clean. And then on Friday you go out with the girls on the weekend and, and you wake up Monday feeling like shit mm-hmm. and then you've now created a limiting belief that I can't diet, it's too hard, mm. right? And now there's a limiting belief that's going to hold that person back.
0: Oh, God, so many people need to hear that.
1: When they ha- actually haven't even had a sustainable process to yeah. get the, the, the goal to you know come into fruition in the first place. Mm-hmm. So when we look at something like mind-body coherence, I think that that's something when we look at like high achievers and – You know, like modern-day society, Uh having coherence between those two is really important when Uh it comes to those. Uh When we look at something like um, neuroscience, neural pathways are probably a really important thing to discuss as well. Uh So if you look at something like habits,
2: Uh
1: and um, if anyone's read the book uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear, Uh fantastic book to read, Uh and he talks about the process of creating change, and his method is by mastering habits now when we create a habit we fire a neuron within the brain now when we pair that neuron with let's say action Uh then we pair it with let's say a um, a thought about what we think about the action Uh another neural pathway then we pair that with an emotion about that uh that action so maybe like motivation excitement happiness when we start to pair neurons together we create what's called a synapse in between those neurons Mm -hmm. and when that happens we start to harden and wire those neurological pathways within the brain Mm
2: -hmm.
1: now that takes time Mm -hmm. and this is where the potentiation of those habits Mm -hmm. will either stick and last Mm -hmm. or go away and not last so if you Mm -hmm. meditate for a week and then you have a week off the potentiation of that habit lasting is going to be pretty shit Mm -hmm. whereas if we start to get really consistent with those neurological pathways not just what we're doing But what we're thinking, what we're believing, what we're emotionally feeling and experiencing along that journey, that's when we can't can start to create this really strong neurological pathways within the brain. Mm-hmm. Kind of think of it like a muscle that you go to the gym and train, right? You apply progressive overload and you do it over and over, and eventually the muscle grows. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like the same thing with the brain. We want mm-hmm. to create um, habits that we can start to strengthen and mm-hmm. and have a progressive overload experience with, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and harden them and wire them within within the brain.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. You also telling me something um, last week as well about fuck. Fi- because I. Nikki blew my brain a little bit last week when we had a chat. She talked about like uh, the flight, fright, and freeze response mm-hmm. brain. And that's what I thought there was the, th- the three there. That's what I've been like taught, researched, and all that stuff. And then mm-hmm. she throws down two more on me. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what are these? Can you dive into that a little bit? Because that was like fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah, so. You know, our brain is has got the same um, parasympathetic nervous system as animals. And so where we've got our fight-or-flight response to protect us, right, uh-huh. to keep us safe uh-huh. so that in case we step out in front of a car, uh-huh. our body goes, <gasps> yeah. and we flight, uh-huh. right? We retreat. We get away from the traffic. Yeah. Um, we what do are some that-
0: other examples of flight, by the way, that aren't? reversing out from a car as far as, like, Mm -hmm. mindset stuff or just everyday things that come and start running away.
1: So literally just think of the word resistance. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're in a gym setting Mm -hmm. and you are in the gym. Yeah. and you're feeling really intimidated, mm-hmm. you're feeling anxious, you're in the cycle of comparison syndrome, mm-hmm. and you're like, I can't train today, I'm, I don't feel good, I'm feeling shit. i got to get the fuck out of here. I've got to get that. Flat, F-
0: baby. Yeah, flat. <laughs> Catch you later. Retreat. Yeah.
1: Retreat. Yeah. The limbic system, which mm-hmm. is the emotional center of the brain, mm-hmm. is telling that person, yeah. I don't feel safe. Um, and that can be based on a belief system that they've created when they were six years old because mm-hmm. they went to kindergarten and all the kids laughed at their skirt, right? Who knows, yeah. right? But the brain at that time is telling them, I don't feel safe. I need to either fight or flee. Yeah. Now there's the other, um, the other three there as well. So we have the fight, flight. Then we have freeze, yeah. which would be something like I get on stage and I forget all my bodybuilding poses,
0: no, I am. Biggest freeze. All <laughs> so did We did like these exercise in some course that I did, and I was just like, oh, I am freeze hard. I just go, uh, and get completely silent. I'm like, uh. Shit. Yeah. Shit, I forgot everything. Mm-hmm. And then it takes like five minutes and it all comes back. I'm like, all oh, right, that's what we're doing.
1: Right. <laughs> so, you know, and that can show up as well. You know, let's say your boss is is having a yell at you and you walk away from the conversation you're like fuck i should have said this thing and why oh, didn't yeah. i come up with this witty oh, comment yeah. oh, right in that where, moment where did
0: my wit
1: go love <laughs> in <God>. that <laughs> moment you're like oh you have a fight with a spouse or a yeah. friend or whatever your parents yeah. and you're like i should have said that thing and at that moment your central mm. nervous system was in freeze it was like yeah. uh, uh, you know i didn't yeah. know what to say yeah. And it's only later when you leave the conversation and your central nervous system yeah. regulates yeah. itself again, you start to come up yeah. with all these responses. Just a little
0: nugget to take away, guys. Like, this is for you just saying so. Like, as she's as speaking this, like, really t- try to think of not just when you've experienced this, but loved ones and friends and family and work colleagues, when they start doing this as well, so that you can understand that sometimes when people are saying certain things or they, don't, they feel uncomfortable doing something or... Whatever it is, their flight, fright, freezing, whatever it is, just so it makes sense for, for them when you understand sometimes like just an, just as an, as an example, like a, a good friend of yours just is like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I'm mean, like, why, man? This is great. We should definitely do this. Like you want to do it, you're keen. But it's literally it's not even them saying it. It's just their brain going through some experience and they're actually free uh, f- having a flight response from it. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing to do with them. Actually, they probably actually might be that keen, but they have to sort of unravel and take that time. So sometimes patience, good conversation and just understanding that about someone mm-hmm. can make you a lot more compassionate as a person, which is actually a huge nugget. So just learning this stuff, also not for yourself for other people can be an extremely important little takeaway that we just went through there and we didn't even get to the last two
2: out
1: of the five. so the last two are um submit or collapse yeah so submit and collapse would look like post comp blues right yeah. there's a collapse in the system
2: yeah
1: um things are too much i just want to sit on the couch and watch netflix and eat brownies
0: yeah right? so it's like masculine like yeah. <laughs> masculine when they're like the, the, the negative side of the masculine when they're when they're too estrogen <laughs> cash i don't feel like doing this I don't feel like doing that. Mm No.
1: Yeah, or we work... You know, we work like absolute dogs Monday to Friday at yeah. our 9 to 5 job or, you know, whether you're mm-hmm. working 6 a.m. to, mm-hmm. I don't know, 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. They get home on a Friday night and they just, you know, they want to sleep all night. Mm-hmm. Their system has been on so much activation mm-hmm. for so long and mm-hmm. there's no regulation within that. And mm-hmm. it just goes, I need to regulate in the best way I can and the best way the system knows is collapse. Mm-hmm. It's got to mobilize that energy and the activation of the it. system. It's got to do something with yeah. that
0: sometimes I can show up in other ways too like if you abuse that and I might be speaking to some of my clients right now but if you guys do that and you abuse that and you abuse that this is not this is just advice for you guys I don't want to point fingers at some of them but um you can see that you yeah, no, definitely not but um so, they constantly experience that for months and months on end and they're burning the candles and they're using whatever they can necessarily to get a whole bunch of shit done. Mm-hmm. Then it's going to show up on other areas like, oh, you might have just shaven some years off your life. Like, Did you get away with it? Mm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Um, it might come up in the terms of, okay, you might have damaged some DNA structures. Mm-hmm. You know, that means at the age of 40, 45, you could be having some more depending on how much environmental toxins you're getting exposed to, that could be welcoming a fucking shitload of cancer cells into your body and all the rest of it. So in terms of uh, like that and I guess a burning candle at the both ends for that reason, yeah, the body will, even if if you abuse it for not just a week on end but for a month, on months, on months, on months, on years, whatever Mm – something can happen unless you do something about it my dad was a really good example so he has just been working his ass off since the age of 22 and I got him just doing a shitload of fasting to to fucking figure it all out and he's done I think 11 3 like 72 hour fasts this year within a couple months he did 8 weeks and he did a 3 day fast every single week he had his blood he had his cancer scare 2 years ago he had his blood test done at the start of the year and they were fucking shit He got his blood test done like two weeks ago and they're fucking perfect. He's in his mid-50s and he is healthy as fuck. He he experiences no aches and pains, nothing else. He's just feeling fucking absolutely fantastic and like his bloods are just there to show it. And that just kind of shows us like there is a bunch of things you can do and there's a whole bunch of work you can do to counteract some of that damage. However, if you are avoiding it in the first place then you don't have to do anything super drastic or crazy like that to sort of try and get some of your health back for whatever it is if you're burning the the candle at both ends. You're proactively making decisions week by week by week by week to actually support yourself and doing that is Mm. just so fucking beneficial for long term. And for, and, and for this and for the best decisions and to live a life that you extremely desire as well. Because as, as like a dude being masculine, one, thing's like, one thing that I really highly desire and like I'm proud, proud of myself when I do it is when I do work my fucking ass off and I'm sitting in the couch at the end of the day and I'm completely fucked whether it's a workout or something else and I just look horrible and if someone goes, oh my God, you look fucked. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I fucking smashed today. Of course I look fucked. Like, and that's like really rewarding for me like as a guy. So, sometimes abusing that um <laughs> it can really catch up to you yeah. so for myself want to do with my clients as well is we ske- scheduling in a bunch of things before that in order to supercharge yourself so you have like this tank of like I guess energy in, in reserve to pull from and it's just like it's so fantastic to see when it works because when it does work it's kind of like uh, you sort of crack a code to um I guess being unlimited. Yeah. But, so that's one of the long winded waves <laughs> talking about, I guess, the opposite way for the uh, submitting there, which yeah, I find I find fantastic. It's my brain ticking. I love it.
1: And the the chronic like the chronic stress is the one we really want to look out for. Yeah. You know, you you stress is Actually, quite efficient for us. Oh yeah, you no, know, so we good. respond well to you stress. You where, stress, positive stress. Baby. <laughs> you know, small windows of stress can yeah. really help us to get things done. Yeah. Um, they can help us to be you know motivated. Mm. You know, that's the not, high that's achievers not stuck in life. traffic going, "Fuck, come on, green light, ah! <laughs> Yeah. So when that stress starts to go chronic, that's yeah. when you know, like. You know, your father, there could be a dis-ease within the system because yeah. the body doesn't like being in prolonged mm-hmm. um, periods of stress. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, the cavemen and ancestors, they would need that stress response, mm-hmm. the fight or flight, To get them away from a tiger or the saber tooth, um, you know, animals that are coming to to kill them, you know, so they don't fall off the cliffs.
0: Snake, because that was a lot scarier back then. Snakes and poisonous spiders, man. I don't know how the Aborigines did it when we weren't here. They're fucking everywhere.
1: (laughs) But unfortunately, now in modern day man, our, you know, our worry, our worries, our stresses, um, you know, our psychological needs are so much more nuanced. And so people are experiencing fight or flight when their boss gives them a deadline. Yeah. When they're in oh, yeah, traffic, right. when their partner breaks oh, up with yeah. them. Oh, yeah. Right? Little things like oh, yeah. this, which um, although, are uh, you know, can be really sad and traumatic and stressful, <laughs> they shouldn't be putting us in a chronic state of stress and all the do. time.
0: And they do for yeah. such a prolonged period of basis and my god i think it just comes down i think a lot of it actually comes down to just because we're exposed to so much stress all the time anyway that we're so hypersensitive to it
1: but there's also a culture scape that people have created around stress is good right i work well under stress yeah you might get a lot of things done under stress but your central nervous system and your body and the physiological response that's happening in your body Um, over a long period of time, you're going to have issues yeah. down the track. Yeah. You're going to have really bad sleep, chronic, um, what do they call it when you can't sleep? Um, insomnia. Insomnia. I you're going to, in, yeah. I had insomnia for ages when I was working those three jobs, 77 hours. Ugh. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> you know you're gonna to get to 50 it's yeah, so
0: wide yeah you're
1: gonna to get to 50 and yeah. look like you're 65 yeah. you know so these things which you think are okay now and that stress is you know helping you mm. get the job done yeah. you're gonna burn out you're gonna crash you're going to need to downregulate your system mm. with alcohol and mm. all of these things mm. which aren't actually helpful in the long run what
0: do you do now to look, to look after
1: that Downregulate my yeah. nervous system yeah. meditation breath yeah. work yep. sleep
0: yeah
1: exercise yep.
0: Just the no. good stuff, yeah, good, good routine. Having yeah. That.
1: yeah cool. Okay, last one. Let's not yeah. go on too much all of a right. tangent because we have we <laughs> love going on tangents. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let me get this good. last one good. out, and yeah. then we can start go. to tangent gotta, it out. I'll shut up. <laughs> um, so the last one is attach. All right. Now this is a uh, something that we've had built into our survival mechanisms because if our ancestors were banished from a tribe, they wouldn't have food, they wouldn't have you know water, they wouldn't have safety of the camp, mm-hmm. and so if they were banished then that would be a really bad risk of their survival yeah right we are solely dependent on our parents attachment to them from the first you know like five six years of our life without our parents we would die when we were born right mm-hmm. so attachment um for us is really important for safety mm-hmm. and so if we look at something like that it would be you know an attachment with a partner i'd say
0: it go even a lot longer for the parents attachment I say up to people for like twenties and mid twenties. I say yeah, basic. In all honesty, like now, well, would you, if you think about it, of finance, if someone's finished school, then they get a job at a uni, right? If they're working like a normal part time job and they can't get another job, like how the fuck are they going to pay for shit themselves? Like, you can't. They still got to rely on shit for their parents. So it takes ages to actually have that proper stress response. But yes, basic survival. Basic survival. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, continue. (laughs) I'll start
1: So if we look at, um, if we look at those, um, survival mechanisms they're there to protect us Mm -hmm. so although some of them can be disintegrated where they're not kind of helpful for us they are there to help us Mm -hmm. and help us survive so they're not bad Mm -hmm. and i think it's important that we create a healthy relationship with Mm -hmm. our survival mechanisms Mm -hmm. Um, but what we can start to realize is that when we operate in um so there's three parts of the brain we've got the reptilian brain which Mm -hmm. governs a fight or flight Mm -hmm. We then have the limbic system. Mm-hmm. Now that is the centre of the emotional brain. So when you're no, in your no-bo limbic, brain. sorry, no,
0: the bonobo brain, bonobo
1: the brain, <laughs> yeah. they just
0: run <laughs> off emotions.
1: Those so creatures. you know when we're in the limbic system, that's the gym was a great example of that. Mm-hmm. You know, Sally's standing in the gym and she wants to flee mm-hmm. because she's feeling an emotion. That's yeah. the same emotion that she felt when she was young, when mm-hmm. all the kids laughed at her and. You know when she was bullied, mm-hmm. right? So although there's not an actual external uh, environmental trigger, mm-hmm. the limbic system says that is. Mm-hmm. So it kind of scans um, for safety and it decides whether to fight or flight or to use a prefrontal cortex to regulate. So the prefrontal cortex, right bang there in the middle of the head, really really important part of the brain. Mm-hmm. That's our pretty much like our CEO of our brain, mm-hmm. and it governs our higher executive functioning. Mm-hmm. This is like the centre of our conscious thinking, mm-hmm. um, really rational thinking, gets the job done. Um, that's the part you'd be doing in your meditation. You'd be deploying that with your mindfulness, um, trying to create really, you know, um, creative thought-provoking innovative ideas so the ceo of the brain prefrontal cortex um actually a very newly developed part of the brain mm-hmm. um animals don't have it that's what separates us from um the rest of the species killer whales species. have, like killer whales have them, them. Yeah. maybe like, maybe yeah, then yeah. we can d- speak d- their d- language <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> let's go speak their language <laughs> can't start talking to us just, yeah <laughs> everything
0: is just happening behind our face
1: so the tricky thing now is deciphering mm-hmm. when we're being triggered and activated with our limbic system and our fight or flight bl- brain. Mm-hmm. The, unfortunately, the brain doesn't know the difference between a saber toothed tiger being held at gunpoint and having to be 20 minutes late for work. Yeah. There's still the same stress response, mm-hmm. right? And you, you demonstrated it perfectly before. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking try yeah. Fuck! <laughs> oh, man,
0: I had to quit. I had to quit traffic I started catching the train instead because it, it was killing me. <laughs> and, <laughs> so type A. And I actually, excited. I
1: used to be a road rager as well, and you yeah. can feel that in your central nervous system, right? The heart grows really quick. You get sweaty yeah. palms. There's yeah. tension in the head maybe. Yeah. The throat gets really tight. The mm-hmm. chest hurts. You know, the breathing becomes really yeah. erratic. Yeah. The central nervous system is having a stress mm-hmm. response yeah. whether you like it or not. Yeah. So what we want to start to do now is if we're looking at what people can do to, like, optimize performance, performance what people can do to operate in higher executive functioning in their prefrontal cortex we can look at what's called our window of tolerance Mm -hmm. so essentially the theory of the window of tolerance is in our window this is where we really want to be operating within right this is our regulated homeostasis Mm -hmm. prefrontal cortex Mm -hmm. game baby let's go let's go right hustle mode grind time baby but really regulated When we start to go into hyper arousal, mm-hmm. there's like anxiety, um, uh, no rest, um, rigid, mm-hmm. not sleeping, burnout, mm-hmm. things like that. When we look at hypo arousal, which is the bottom of the window, mm-hmm. that's our collapse response, okay. right? So post-com blues, yeah. um, depressed, yeah. dissociation. I just want to sleep all day. Can't go anywhere. Where's the attach? So it's just those two with our okay, window of tolerance. Okay. Yep um and then what we obviously want to be operating within is that center part the yeah. window of tolerance so if we're on either side of the window if we're up the top we want to down regulate and if we're at the bottom we want to up regulate so something that you're doing at the moment which i think is amazing is your ice is corey's ice baths yeah now that's a really fantastic thing for up frosty friday baby yeah, Fridays, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: it's so good Love.
1: I haven't been invited to one yet, so you're gonna have to come get (laughs) it. Make sure it's a nice, warm day. Right?
0: <laughs> no.
2: Only condition. Only no condition. way.
0: Any day. No, you think just one thing is getting in there on a cold day or a hot? There's no fucking difference. It's still freezing. Like we thought it was like a while ago. we were like, oh, I can't wait for a hot day to get in. Like to get into the ice bath. As soon as you get in, we're just like, it's just as fucking bad. But it'd
1: be, be nice for getting out, right? Well, like
0: you're still numb for ten minutes. It's like it's sort of like the 10-15 minutes afterwards. No difference, and then and then kind of after that. When the sun's out, you're like, oh, fuck yeah. But for that initial period, nothing.
1: Well, okay. Yeah. Once I get the invite, uh, probably... okay.
0: right. So I don't want to break your flow. <laughs> we got to the window. Uh-huh. Ice bath.
1: Upregulation. up-regulation. Ice bath. Yeah. Another great thing for upregulation: exercise, right? Yeah. And that releases really good chemicals into the mm-hmm. brain as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's so underutilized. To be honest, like a lot of people are stressed out and stuff a lot of the time. But I do find that like the whole exercise and like the positive you stress stuff and doing mm-hmm. upregulation things, I think it's actually really underutilized. Yeah. But as a dude and having like just about worrying and knowing a bunch of stuff like about roaring you stress <laughs> one of the <laughs> things that, that is really good i guess at learning about the ordering stuff is i'm talking about as far as a men's point of view is how much i exercise in a day directly affects this and the more i exercise and the more i'm constantly moving the better everything's working
1: yes so up regulation good stuff yeah down regulation now this is something that um is probably could be more utilised. Um, mm-hmm. We'll probably see a lot of high high performers um, in the hyper arousal state. You don't
0: know how to switch off. I'm speaking yeah. to some other clients about that too. Yeah. I'm not naming any names, but I'm going to stare at them really quick. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and so then what do we do when we go home after a really stressful day? We sit on our Instagram and scroll through hashtag inspo mm-hmm. and then we watch TV for a bit and mm-hmm. all of those things aren't actually giving our central nervous system an opportunity to down-regulate,
0: right? Yeah. Save a lot of time too. People just have a lot of family commitments as well. so a lot of people, they just got to rush around, do this, get this all to get this stuff, get ready for the next day, blah, 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 blah,
2: blah.
1: Yeah, it's constantly yeah. going, constantly yeah. doing yeah. things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, got to get the things done, fight part. Yeah. So what we want to be doing is using down-regulation techniques. Yeah. Meditation, mindfulness, breath work, um, Journal. grounding, mm-hmm. Nature, mm-hmm. journaling, grounding, nature, journaling, warm warm baths. Oh
2: yeah,
1: hot baths. Yeah, <laughs> um, essential oils. Yeah. Um, you know, swims, reading. Mm-hmm. So many things you can do for down regulation, yeah. which is great mm-hmm. because there are you know at least in my experience and with the yeah. pattern of my clients that I've noticed, yeah. we do spend a lot more time in that hyper arousal state. So bringing ourselves back into that window so that our body can be in homeostasis where we can repair, we can consolidate memory, we can have that higher executive functioning mm-hmm. um, and we're operating in a really you know great state of flow. Yeah,
0: which is hard to do because as well as far as like humans so we have access to that window like not really not any other animals besides the killer whales at a very small <laughs> percentage do have. And I think taking advantage of that is is one of the best keys cuz it actually helps you I guess sort out your values and it helps you kind of s- separate yourself from the crowd, because mm-hmm. if you've got your value sorted out and you spend a lot of time in that window, then that's when change, a like good change, will start happening to your life. And that's sort of when you get accessed to, I guess, things just start happening for you. I'm just kind say just like the universe or whatever here. But I like to say that whenever you overcome a hurdle, like something that, that's, that's a big struggle, you just get presented with one of the best opportunities in your life mm-hmm. to the point where if you're spending a lot of time in that window, you just start experiencing stuff like bam, 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 bam. And that's been happening to me a lot like the past couple of years. I literally think of something. I'm like, oh, I'm ready for this. And then it comes, oh, I want to need some more abundance here. And then it comes, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's, it's great. But consciously spending time in that window, I love how you put it, because I'm going to use that as a takeaway and I'll be thinking about it a lot and I'll just be throughout the day going, mm. where am I right now? Am I hyper, am I lower, or am I in the window? Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Also, we didn't dive deep into the attach. We need to go more into to that. We could. Yeah. We could. Please. Okay, you can't finish yet? No, no, no. <laughs> we, can go,
1: we can go into it. Yeah. Um, okay, just a little bit of a relationship tangent. So yeah. a little bit separate to what we're kind of talking about with the high achievers business work. Yeah. Play
0: oh, even though with attachment, man, like even as as, as I guess uh, people with their businesses, the rest of it, people get attached to the business, they get attached to, mm-hmm. you know, the team, they get attached to results, outcome, and then they also get attached to loved ones and the rest of it. So I think there, there is different forms of attachment as well.
2: Yeah, as I
1: experience. It I mean, yeah, you just said it beautifully. Yeah, um, I think if we look at the emotional need that's trying to be fulfilled when we're looking for, <clears throat> excuse me, an attachment to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, it's risking our emotional uh, survival, right? Mm-hmm. We need that in order to feel like we're feeling safe. Yeah. So we might have a really um, toxic, unhealthy relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. You know, our relationship needs might look really... um uh like anxious attachment right where we have to have a partner mm-hmm. in order to feel good enough we have to have someone there mm-hmm. to feel safe enough mm-hmm. um and that's where you know unfortunately you know a lot of the women that i talk to mm-hmm. whether that's with a relationship with a man mm-hmm. or whether that's just a friendship Right, uh-huh. we can get caught up in the wrong circles, uh-huh. the wrong, the wrong groups. I know for myself, in my own experience, you know, I got caught up in that world as well. Uh-huh. You know, feeling like I had to be part of the like popular group or something like that, uh-huh. in order to fulfill that psychological need uh-huh. and that attachment, to feel like I was important and, and accepted uh-huh. into the the tribe. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um. So we can look at well, where's that. Um, where's that need being fulfilled? And can I fulfill that need in a different way? Yeah. Right? If it is connection, um, and social engagement that mm-hmm. I am looking for, how can I start to fulfill that mm-hmm. in a healthy rather than toxic way?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So these can be conversations that, you know, it can be really difficult to have with oneself. Mm-hmm. It does help to have that with another person that's able to see past the subconscious beliefs. Yep. Um, but they are important things to look at, mm-hmm. you know, with all the survival pathways. Mm-hmm.
0: God I love that so much. Alright, so before we start going on for fucking ages, which we'll us just summarise this podcast, firstly. What were what are like three big giveaways that you've probably learned the past two years? Like just three of the best tips Ooh. that you've learned oh. that you could give out.
1: Jesus. Yeah. I'm a yeah. big one.
0: Put you on the spot here.
1: <laughs> um well the first thing I realised was why i actually stepped into the gym in the first place yeah. why was it that i started my health and fitness journey okay. at the time i had no idea right mm-hmm. i just thought oh this would be cool it will make me mm-hmm. feel good about myself mm-hmm. um a lot of it came from the lack of feeling worthy mm-hmm. and when i actually understood that and went oh aha, uh-huh, that's why that makes sense mm-hmm. then i started to redefine those meanings mm-hmm. but I wasn't able to make that opportunity for myself without awareness, mm-hmm. right? And like I said, my awareness around my mindset, my beliefs, mm-hmm. my habits, mm-hmm. my rituals back then kind of really didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the most important takeaways people can start to deploy in their lives, whether that is with the gym or at work or at home or in relationships, to start to ask yourself, like, why am I actually doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, then you can start to look at, Oh, because I want abs. Well, why do you want abs? Well, I want abs because they're cool. Why do you think they're cool? Um, because then I'm going to look good. Mm -hmm. And then why do you want to look good? Because it's going to make me happy. Oh, okay. So it's not actually about the abs. It's because you want to be happy. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So Mm -hmm. how do you, how are you going to get there? Do you really think the abs is going to make you happy? Mm -hmm. Is there something else that you might be able to do to make you happy? Mm -hmm. And I wish I kind of had that a mentor or a guide, To have those conversations with me or starting listening, starting listening to podcasts earlier on. Mm -hmm. So I can start to educate myself about these things Mm -hmm. and go, oh, okay, maybe I could do a little bit of internal exploration Mm -hmm. and introspection around those types of Mm -hmm. things for myself.
2: Yeah.
1: The second thing uh, identity. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What do I, who do I identify as? Mm -hmm. Am I a CEO? No, that's just something I do. Mm -hmm. What if my business was to collapse tomorrow? Would I still be the same person or would I be devastated and depressed because I'd lost my identity and this this thing that I was working for, I became my business? Mm -hmm. Well, you would still be the same person who was, like, smart and analytical and passionate and driven, Mm -hmm. but that can only come if we're not identifying with the things that we're doing, Mm -hmm. right? We're not human doings. Mm -hmm. We're not human havings. We're human Mm -hmm. beings, right? Mm -hmm. So looking at your identity and going, well, who are you? If you didn't have your business, if you didn't have the bodybuilding, if you didn't have the training, all those those things are fun and it's amazing to have them, right? They can fuel so much fire and passion and, and happiness. But if I didn't have any of those things, would I still be happy? And if the answer to the question is, like, I'm not sure, then that's probably something to explore a little bit further, why that might be. Mm-hmm. The third thing... Uh, your nervous system is working for you, not against you. But when you can start to recognize what kind of um, responses that your CNS is having with you um, uh, throughout your day, you can start to have a little bit of conscious awareness around that and go, uh-huh. Um, you know, maybe I need to do some down regulation tonight. The more you do that, the wider you expand your window of tolerance and so you can have more autonomy within your system. You can have more regulation within your system. Mm. You can then go to a party and not be like, fuck, I feel so uncomfortable, like I'm I'm leaving. Mm. You know, you can then go and do really uncomfortable things that scare you. You can do public speaking. You can get on a bodybuilding stage, mm. but not if your window of tolerance, right? You can't tolerate things like, I can't do it, I'm sick of it, it's too hard um i don't have the um the discipline you know that fear is telling you not to do it yeah. so we kind of want to operate within that that little window there and expand our executive functioning to yeah. do these things like
0: you look after it and look after you
1: correct <laughs> well that's where the mind body coherence comes into yeah. each other so we can start to have the co- co- um co- too much caffeine co- 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 coherence. <laughs> we can start to have the coherence within yeah. our system yeah. um and match what our body is experiencing in relation to what we're thinking and believing about getting the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah. Those were the three things.
0: Yeah. Well, that was fucking sick. You went crazy there. Um, Thank you so much for jumping onto this podcast and giving us some of your time. I loved all your stuff. Guys, honestly, if you're listening, for the love of God, listen again or take some goddamn notes. Some of the stuff that Nikki was saying is absolute fire. Um, I I'm going to be listening to this again and I'm going to be taking my own notes. I'm going to put some of the stuff in the show notes. <laughs> I'll like b- briefly put some of the things in the show notes because, um, it's just so, so much in depth, um, content. So where, where can people find you by the way?
1: Yeah. So right. if you head to, um, my Instagram, which is Nikki and I double K I Casa C A double S A. Um, you can also literally just go on, um, Spotify or podcast and type in, I was like, wow, what's this thing called? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Podcast and just type in Nikki Kassabom, um, nice which is C-A-S-S-E-B-O-H-M.
0: Sweet.
1: I'll, also, I'll put a links in the show notes. Nice. Thank you. And um, most of my podcasts will just pop up there. Cool. Um been dabbling into neuroscience quite a lot, so you can find out a little bit more about that if you're interested.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, you know, is are really um, – integral part of my foundation of training with my clients.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we use, you know, an approach um, that starts to look at, well, what part of me is feeling like a fight part? Why is this part feeling like I want to flee? And we start to have a little bit more experience uh, experiential neuroscience, where we mm. start to experience how I'm experiencing this mm. world, and then what we can do once we collect that data as well. Mm. Um, so, really phenomenal work in that space. Mm. Sometimes I don't even know how to explain it, but <laughs> yeah. it gives me more of an opportunity when I'm on this space, which is amazing.
2: Yeah, which is cool.
1: Um, and if you are looking for, you know, further help with, you know, your own journey and you're suffering with, you know, identity, you know, disbelief, and you're not quite sure with where you're at in your journey, um, I'd love to work with you. So head to my link tree on my Instagram and let's get on a call and see how I can help you all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Nikki. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave you guys on one of these and we'll um, see you in the next one. Bye, guys.
1: Cool.
0: Can't wait to see you guys in there.